Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Amazing. What a great video. Thanks, Sean. Why don't we thank Sean? What a legend. Had dinner with Sean and his beautiful family last night, and uh, it's great uh, great to meet some of the Clovey crew. And a big thank you to Mike and Michelle. Don't you have amazing, amazing senior ministers here at Clovey? Why don't you give them a hand as well? Really appreciate having me here. It's a real honour. I am from Sydney. Don't hold it against me. Um, but it's great to be in Adelaide. And, uh, and as, as mentioned, I am from IJM. And uh, it's a real real pleasure, a real privilege for me to, to be here and, uh, and share about some of the work that we do and, and really God's heart for justice in the world. And uh, uh, we, I don't know if you know this, but Adelaide has a very special connection to IJM, uh, which a lot of people don't know. Our, our founder, uh, Gary Haugen, who's uh, based in, in America, he was a, a, a lawyer. He used to work for the U.S. State Department. Uh, he founded IJM 25 years ago, but he actually did uh, some of his studies here in Adelaide a long time ago as a young man. And so just so you know, Adelaide has a very special place in IJM's heart. Uh, which is great. Also, want to say uh, I'm very. I am also praying for your youth. Um, I think youth youth camps are amazing. I came to Christ as a 15 year old at a youth camp, and so let me tell you, these moments are powerful. And uh, you never know where some of these some of these teenagers can uh, end up, and how God can use them through a moment at a camp. Um, I want to also welcome uh, Zach, who's down the front with me, and Claire and her family up the back there, who are both Adelaide locals, some of our IJM uh, justice advocates, and on the ground here in Adelaide helping us out. Great to have you guys as well. Also, everyone watching online, everyone give everyone watching online a big hand. Good to have you guys with us as well. Great to be able to uh, partner with you online this morning. Um, I do want to say uh, what we are going to share this morning, some of the things I'm going to talk about can be a little bit confronting. That's okay. Sometimes it's good to just allow ourselves just to feel the weight of some of the things going on in the world. But I do say that because I do obviously understand we have some young people in the room. And so just want to make sure you're aware that there will be some sensitive information uh, shared today. Uh, but don't worry, there's hope. And that's what we're going to finish with, uh, which is really important. Uh, I'm, a, I'm married. I've been married for eight years. I have a little girl. Pray for me. She's three going on 13. And uh, she's a redhead as well. So it means, you know, everything is compounded. Um, and, so, and we have a little boy 10 weeks away. Um, so definitely pray for me because I'm about to lose a lot of sleep in the near future. Um, but to introduce who we are as IJM, I'd actually love to show you uh, just a little clip. Just really gives us an understanding and some context of, uh, of what we're talking about today. Thanks, guys. How old is she? 20, 12. How much? She's 30? Yeah, my friend. Right now, there are more people trapped in slavery than ever before. Over 40 million children, women and men are beaten, raped and starved in an industry worth $150 billion per year. Criminals prey on the world's poor because they expect no one to defend them. But today there are thousands of people joining forces to seek justice for those in slavery. We are a group of lawyers, counsellors 
activists and supporters. We are called International Justice Mission. Each year we rescue thousands and protect millions, working alongside local law enforcement to prosecute criminals, restore survivors and transform how justice systems protect their citizens. But we can only do this with you, the church. Moving with God's heart for justice, we will, together, find those trapped in slavery. We will get them home, to their families, so they can have the freedom they deserve. Awesome. So as you can see, uh, we face a big problem, a little over 40 million people in slavery today, one in four of that are children, uh, which is, as a dad, as a parent, and for any other parents, you know, that, that suddenly makes it even more uh, close to home when you think about it. Slavery can take a whole bunch of different forms. It can look like uh, bonded or, or forced labour in, in the brook, brick kilns of India or on the fishing boats in Thailand. It, it can look like uh, sex trafficking in Eastern Europe, uh, particularly at the moment especially with uh, all the things going on in, in Ukraine and the surrounding areas. We're seeing a real spike in, in some of the, uh, the vulnerabilities of, of that region, as you can imagine. And then one that gets even more close to home is something we call OSEC, which is, uh, stands for the Online Sexual Exploitation of Children, uh, particularly out of places like the Philippines, where we see uh, uh, content produced or the live streaming of, of sexual abuse of minors um, that is being purchased around the world in the name of pornography, which it most certainly is not. Uh, it is just blatant sexual abuse. And, uh, and the, the, what, what's terrifying about that is Australia, we think sometimes, oh, this is somewhere in another part of the world in another part of, not in our backyard, but actually Australia um, globally is the third highest consumer of that type of content. And that's not per capita, by the way. And so we really know that this is something that um, as a nation is right on our doorstep and in our own backyard as well. Five, million, five billion people out of the eight billion in the world would be considered outside um, of the care and the protection of the law in what we call the justice gap. And really, that's where the rubber hits the road, that there are a lot of people living in the world who are, who are vulnerable to all forms of violence and slavery because simply there's not a justice system to look after them. And so what we find is people who are in that place are more vulnerable uh, to criminal activity because there's no one there to protect them. And then there's no fear of prosecution uh, from the criminals. And so therefore, they go freely and, and do what they want to do, taking advantage of those who are poor. And so our job as IJM is, yes, of course, we rescue and we restore uh, people who are facing slavery and violence, uh, and a big part of what we do. We also want to make sure we get prosecution and we actually work with government and law enforcement to get convictions. We find that that alone is one of the greatest deterrents uh, in the future for this kind of activity because when cr criminals fear prosecution, they actually stop doing the crime. And that's why it is so rampant because they don't fear the prosecution. And finally, and, our, and the big part of what we do is we actually want to see justice systems around the world fully transformed. We want to see rescues not be necessary anymore. We want to see uh, the whole community is renewed and redeemed by the grace of God, so much so that actually rescue becomes redundant because there's no one more to rescue. Amen. 
Today, just to let you know a little snapshot of where we've been today, uh, to date we've seen 76,000 people rescued, almost 5,000 criminals convicted, about 120,000 justice officials trained, and a little over 150 million people globally protected. Um, and, and I do understand, yeah, praise God, amen. I do, and I, I know, I believe you have a 2030 vision as a church. Well, we also have a 2030 vision, very, very exciting. So, you know, I feel like we're in sync here. Uh, but we have a 2030 vision globally as IJM uh, to see 500 million or half a billion people protected uh, from all forms of slavery and violence. And so we'd love for you to uh, pray with us and go on that journey to see, uh, to see that accomplished throughout the world. Let's pray, hey? Thank you, Lord. Father, we, just, we give you this moment, we give you this morning, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your heart, we thank you for the gospel, and we thank you, Lord, that you've given us a great call as ambassadors of Christ to bring the fullness of who you are, to partner with you in the earth to see justice take place. As so we pray you'd open our eyes this morning to see not just the problems that we face, but also the hope and the glory which you've called us to, Lord. And so we just give you this time. We ask that you would speak to us and do something in our hearts that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, lo- I love this scripture that you've been uh, talking about in this whole area of partnership in, uh, in Philippians 1, uh, which is kind of your core scripture, I believe, for this series, uh, which, is, which is Paul talking. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. Can I tell you, IJM, thanks God for Clovey Baptist Church. We thank God for, for you guys and for the partnership you bring into this space. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, God is a God of partnership. It's not just that God uh, values them when we partner together, but He's a God of partnership. God's a God of relationship. He actually, it's His whole plan, His whole purpose is actually to do, uh, to not to know, you know, go off and, and, you know, sometimes we think, oh, God could fix that. God could do that. And of course He could. But He wants to involve us as His people in the plan and the purpose that He's got for us. He actually wants to include us in the miracle that's in motion in the world. And, uh, and to understand, I guess, some of the work of justice that God's bringing into the earth, it really helps to actually understand, okay, what is the origin of injustice? Where did it begin? Because I think until we can correctly diagnose the origin and the root of injustice, we can't fully actually bring the solution of God's uh, version and God's answer uh, in justice. And so I want to I take us back to Genesis 1 and, uh, and read the story of, of, of creation and of, of the very beginning where we see the very first partnership between heaven and earth when God created Adam and Eve. So here in Genesis 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the earth and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In the next chapter in Genesis 2, then the mandate came in in verse 
verse 15, which says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to tend it. Really what we're seeing here is this this picture of what the Bible uh, calls in Hebrew shalom or, or flourishing or peace or wholeness. It's this picture of God's Eden, God's perfection, God's original intent for mankind to see this beautiful picture of creation and glory and, and God working together with man to, 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 to rule over, over the earth and to see His shalom, His peace, His fullness take place. It really, this picture is the cornerstone of justice because really what it is, it's seeing the intrinsic value of human life. That every life is created in God's image. Every life has been created by the hand of God with immense value and purpose. And not only that, but we've been given a stewardship calling to maintain that place of wholeness and flourishing in the earth. But very quickly, as we know the story in Genesis 3, we see all that gets broken pretty quickly. The pride of man and a self-serving will, it births sin and therefore injustice. IJM's definition of injustice is that what happens when someone uses their power to take from someone else the good things God intended them to have, their life, their liberty, their dignity, or the fruit of their labour or love. And so injustice is primarily outworked in and expressed in the abuse of power, when we use our strength to steal rather than to serve. And so I would say probably the most succinct way I can define what is justice, what is God's perspective on justice, it's to make things right in all its forms. That's God's perspective. That's biblical justice, to make things right. And that can have a wide range of meanings. Right away in Adam and Eve's case, we see justice being executed very quickly. There were obviously still consequences that were executed to, to Satan, to the devil, but also to Adam and Eve uh, as, as consequence for uh, their shortfallings. But not just that. That's not where justice stops because in the same action, pretty much, God also creates coverings. He creates protection. He, he creates, uh, you know, things to cover the nakedness and the shame of Adam and Eve. And this we see is justice too. He's making right a wrong. He's putting right a wrong. He's making things whole again. And we see it as a shadow of when Jesus covers our nakedness, the covering of Christ gets put on us. So right now, we, we, so we see a tension between the, the uh, retributive justice of God and the restorative justice of God, where He's making all things right and new. And so from this point, we see this narrative through Scripture of partnership. We see God start to weave through the story of history, through the Bible story, different partnerships uh, throughout the Old Testament where God's bringing this narrative of justice back into the earth. We see through Noah this happened. There was a partnership formed and what the Bible calls a covenant. And so we have the covenant with Noah to bring justice. Then we see through Abraham, a a whole nation, a whole family set up. And then we see through Moses, we see the law, uh, which is a a picture of justice and righteousness working together. And then we see through David, the promise of justice being fully restored in his timeline. There are these partnerships and relationships throughout the, the Old Testament of God partnering with people to bring justice back into the earth. But as we know, 
All those people fell short. All those covenants were imperfect. All those partnerships were broken because they were done by, the own, by our own works and by the own, our, own, uh, the, the, our own strength and spirit of these people. And therefore, a fifth covenant, a final covenant, a new covenant was established in Christ. A new partnership that's held together by His works and not ours. A covenant that was established perfectly in the death, resurrection of Jesus. A fifth covenant, a covenant of grace. And so in Jesus, in the life and death of Jesus, we see a perfect, and, a perfect picture of biblical justice. A covenant that deals with both the root of injustice being the human condition, but also the fruit of injustice being the broken relationships which He's empowered us to heal. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, Only biblical justice is comprehensive enough to address the needs of the human condition. And so we need to understand that all of us wrestle with justice and injustice, that we all have need of forgiving, but also to be forgiven. And that's why biblical justice is so paramount, because without that understanding, justice becomes self-righteous. We need to understand first that we are conduits of injustice, that we've fallen short, we've taken abuse, we've done things wrong. And therefore we need God's forgiveness just as much as we need to forgive and bring restoration to the world around us. So the big question is, what does this mean for us? We've seen God's picture, God's narrative of justice through the earth culminating in the work of Jesus. What does that mean for us? Well, we are living in what I would call a now, not yet kingdom. We're living in this tension of the kingdom of God where Jesus has struck the final blow against sin and injustice. And yet in many ways, as we can see right around the world, we are still waiting for the full outworking of that justice to be enacted. And so He's called us to represent Him as His church, as His people, to be His hands and feet, His ambassadors and conduits of grace and justice. I want to put a, a picture up of a, of a young girl who uh, represents uh, many children in the Philippines. In uh, 2006, IJM started working in the Philippines uh, in the brothels and bars of cities like Cebu, Manila and Papunya which were crowded with children being trafficked for sex. Approximately at that time, you would find one in 10 of the commercial sex workers were minors. One in 10. And so IJM began doing the work of restoring and working with local law enforcement and, and, and doing the things that we know to do. And as we worked over a five-year period, we saw across three cities, Cebu, Manila and Papunya, an average of almost an 80% reduction of the prevalence of children in the commercial sex work industry. That means, to put it in fact, it went from about one in 10 to one in 100 in a five-year period, proving that justice is possible. Sometimes when we talk about these things, we think the problem is so big that we think, is, can, can we, is, does our work matter does it even count? Can we actually, actually achieve what we're setting out to achieve? We believe that justice is possible and we've proved it. And we do it through partnership. We do it together with people on the ground in the regions around the world, but also with churches right around Australia and the world. We do it through partnership. 
For the last 25 years, we've now been replicating this work across the globe to protect the most vulnerable from slavery and violence. Micah uh, 6, one of our core scriptures and a core scripture around justice says this in verse 8, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. See, I found and I love the picture you've got of the river. How good's the river? Anyone want to jump in the river? I love the river. I have found that the currents of the kingdom of God flow towards the world and not away from it. Sometimes we think, you know, the kingdom of God is something that as we're all huddled together as Christians, we're escaping the world, we're escaping sin and we're escaping the corruption of the world. Can I tell you that? The river's not flowing away from the world. The, the river's flowing right smack bang into the middle of the world. You're the picture in Ezekiel of the river flowing from the temple to the world. And that's our call is to be a, a, a people that influence and aren't running away from the things that we're facing in our time. Jesus taught us to pray that way. He said, Lord, your your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not Lord, take us from here. Save us from this place. But Lord, give us the strength. Give us the ability to see your kingdom come on earth. And that's our prayer. So I want to sort of finish up our our time in this scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. One of my favourite passages, it says this. In, chapter, in verse 16 of chapter 5, so from, everyone say from now on. Oh, come on, say it with a bit of grunt. From now on. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll I'll just leave it there. But I want to encourage you that we are all now ministers. This is what the Bible says. We are all now ministers of reconciliation. Reconciliation is a picture of justice. It's a picture of things being made right and being made whole in the eyes of God. And this is both spiritual, our connection to God being made right, being reconciled, but it's also physical. It's also about our world being renewed and redeemed and restored as the people of God influences salt and light. It's internal, but it's also external. It's reconciliation with God, but it's also reconciliation in our society with each other. It's loving God and loving others. And the key says it at the start, from now on, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. If I could ask the band to come and join me, that'd be amazing. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So I want to encourage you, from now on, what are some things that we're being seeing in the natural that God's calling us to see from His perspective? Broken parts of our world globally, but even locally. What are some things in our world that maybe we've just been viewing in the natural from a, from a human perspective that God's calling us to see in a new way today? There is a lot of work to be done around the world in this space still. As I said, we're seeing currently about 150 million people protected. We have a goal to see 500 million people protected. There is a lot of work to be done. 
But we have been given, and I want to encourage you in this, we have been given an incredible vision and hope and promise in Christ of the complete restoration and renewal of our world. We see right we've started in Genesis, we see in Revelation chapter 21, it says, And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He is settled, seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. Then He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so we can rest in this now, not yet tension. We know Jesus has the victory. We know Jesus brings all justice and righteousness, but we know it's still to be fully outworked in the world. And so we can rest in that tension because of the promise of Jesus' return to make all things new. So I want to encourage you this morning, as our eyes are opened to the issues of our world, as our eyes are opened to, to slavery and injustice, that we would not just leave it there, but we'd ask God, hey, would you open our eyes as well to your promise, to your glory, to your goodness, and the way that you can use me every day to be a conduit of your grace in the world around me. A few things I'd love to leave with you. One, we'd love your prayers. We'd love your prayers. We really, and I don't say that lightheartedly. As IJM, one of our core fundamental values is in prayer. We know that the work of justice cannot and will not be done without prayer. And so we'd love you to continue to pray with us. Uh, on the screen there, uh, there might be a QR code. Uh, if, you, if you click that, otherwise just come and, um, come and see one of the team out straight after the service. We'd love to chat ways you can pray and partner with us as what we call a freedom partner, which prayer and, uh, and if you're able, generosity as well. But we'd love to chat to you about that later. But also I, I'd love to just encourage you today in the obviously prayer, pray, give, go. What, is, what, is, what does go mean? Uh, maybe if we, if we all stand up here to, as we finish. I'd love just to pray for you and pray that, you know, I was thinking about this before the service of, of Elisha in this, and the story in 2 Kings 6 of Elisha and his servant. They wake up one morning and, and they're woken to a, a view of an impending army siege on, right on their doorstep. And the servant's freaking out. He's like, hey, what do we do? We're surrounded. And that's sometimes what it can feel like when, we, when our eyes are open to injustice. Like we're surrounded by all this pain, all this brokenness, all this grief. What do we do? And Elisha, he was very calm. He said, hey, Lord, open his eyes. And that's my prayer for you this morning, that we would not only see the weight and the, and the, 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 the things that we're facing every day, the oppression, the violence we're facing, but our eyes would be open to the God who's with us and who's greater and He's bigger and has a hope for our world. Amen. So why don't you close your eyes right now. Let me just pray for you. Lord, I thank You for this incredible church, incredible people, this incredible city. And Father, we pray, Lord, like Elisha prayed for his servant, for his eyes to be open. I pray right now, Lord, not only would our eyes be open to injustice and brokenness, but our eyes would be open to Your grace and Your goodness. Our eyes would be open, Father, to Your solution, that Your justice and righteousness would come and flood the earth. It would roll like a river 
into the world around us. We pray you'd open our eyes to see the way we can serve you in our city and in our world. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship.